whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Welcome back to the Women in Gridiron show, everybody. It is nice to be back. Sorry I was otherwise preoccupied last week because we had an early surprise delivery of our baby boy, Lucas, in the early hours of Saturday morning. Thank you, Beck, for jumping on and hosting like a boss. So I apologize tonight if I seem a little tired, as cute and as small as he is. Sleep is somewhat sporadic, so I'm just trying to get my bearings back and learn to function on just a few hours of sleep. We have a full panel tonight. We've got Christy, we've got Nat, we've got Beck and Danny. So let's warm up and let's have a bit of a catch up. Danny, it was your birthday on the weekend. What did you get up to? Yeah, I didn't get up to much actually. Um, watched my partner play football, which was pretty much for the first time since he started six weeks ago because I've been in Sydney and in Melbourne kind of every other weekend or just doing my own football stuff for Outback. Um, so went to dinner, had a nice time at dinner, but otherwise didn't do too much. Nice and chill. Very good. And so happy birthday from the Mojo crew. Um, Nat, we haven't seen you for a few weeks. You've been all over the place for work. Now, I think you need to preface what you do for a little bit of coin for the listeners. Do you know what, um, Stace? I love this question. Um, so, yeah, I have been travelling a fair bit for work. Um, I've uh, – so I uh, – um, a critical risk lead uh, for the for Woolies group. Um, and so basically what I do is make sure that our teams that are operating um, in stores basically go home as they came to work or or better. So uh, a bit of a safety panda, um, as a few of my mates would say. Um, and I find that, that a bit of a hilarious question because, um, you know, I'm happy to assess the risk of something during work hours, but then on field I'll happily launch myself you know, at <laughs> moments notice into someone twice my size. So uh, the risk uh, risk versus reward always cracks me up when I get asked that question. I uh, love it. And uh, you're going to be down my way over the next couple of days. So I'm excited. Hopefully we can catch up for a beer. That's going to be exciting. Beck, holding down the fort last week, very much appreciated. How's that, how's that pregnancy bump treating you? Happy to help out the team. Um, it was a great episode with Alia. I enjoyed chatting with her. It was lots of fun. Um, 26 going on 27 weeks on, or will be 27 weeks. Yeah, so not long to go. Nerves are kind of kicking in. I'm not sure what to expect first time mum, but yeah, we're getting there. We're growing. She says with a high-pitched voice indicating her nervousness. I have to say that, uh, you know, KG and I, we were both talking about baby, baby names before Lucas came along. And, um, you know, we both actually really liked the name Brady, which um, most of you know I'm a huge Tom Brady Patriots fan. And as much as I love it, I just knew that we couldn't do that to him because, one, I would get paid the crap out of and he would forever get paid the crap out of. Beck, I, just, I have to ask, if you have a boy, I mean, even if you have a girl, do you have a football name that you're considering? Um, I don't actually. I have a girl's name and a boy's name picked already that I've been pretty set on for like the last month or so. But who knows, when baby comes, like you look at them and sometimes that name you pick doesn't suit. So just have to wait. That's exactly right. Exactly right. You have to look at them and go, nah, you know, look, I don't think you're a chet. But anyway, Christy, 
I think you might actually be quiet tonight, uh, which may or may not be a good thing because you have the Rona. Um, how are you feeling? Uh, and tell us your infection story because it's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, I'll try and talk so much so that you have to do all the editing. Um, but yeah, so I was uh, playing rugby on Saturday night. It was my, I was starting. It was my first full game. I think we're two rounds in, so pretty nervous anyway. Got a try, thanks to a lot of work, the rest of the team. And um, I can actually pinpoint on the tape when I got COVID because as I got up from my try, the first person I celebrated and hugged turned out she had COVID. And then a couple of days later, I had the dreaded germs. So um, I haven't been, uh, luckily, you know, I haven't been too bad at all. But obviously, um, seven days by myself in ISO um, is probably more painful than the actual COVID for me itself. But um, have missed out on some national touch football competition. So of all the weeks, I hadn't had corona until now. And uh, it was the one week I was going down to Coffs Harbour to compete in the national touch football competition and did not get to go. So I have been FOMOing at home by myself so much time to prepare for this episode that you're just going to be able to like just send us notes on the fly right i got you covered yeah excellent got the game plan perfect perfect (laughs) all right guys let's jump into our first segment tonight the playbook some people are just great at all aspects of the game when they step foot on the field it's their show double right scat right double cowboy went 94 feet did a roll step made a right hand layup timeout most important thing is film study we work a lot on short passing with our forwards you talk about somebody to know the playbook know where everybody's supposed to be know the other team coaches style of coaching how his ball club's gonna play that's right. It's another playbook episode. And this week we are chatting RPO concepts. Now, I love an RPO. We spoke in our last episode, uh, our last playbook episode about the read option. And the RPO concept is an advanced read for the quarterback. RPO standing for run pass option with either a pre snap or a post snap read, telling the quarterback which option to go for, run or pass. Now, Danny, we know you love a good read. Um, what does having an RPO system in your playbook mean for the quarterback? Look, I also love an RPO. Um, I think it's a really, really good one to have in the arsenal to keep in there for quarterbacks that are really switched on, have got really good feet to get out of the pocket um, and kind of got really good over like their short yardage. Um, so we've run, run that a couple of times um, with our men's teams, not overly a lot as gospel, um, but we've tried to implement it um, here and there. But I think best thing for an RPO is to make sure that your quarterback is switched on, um, got really good balls over those, you know, um, your stick routes, your bubbles, your um, even your your fades um, and your screens. Um, but, yeah, an RPO is great. Yeah, and Christy, from a running back perspective, obviously it's not just up to the quarterback to make the right read. Obviously running backs are their own position, but surely it would help if you knew the read and could anticipate what your role would be in either a run or pass situation, right? 100% does um, because uh, obviously you read the difference pre-snap um, and it, and I as I've said many, many times, you need to be repping with your QB. Um, so you need to know what they're, they're kind of like in reading. Um, so, so sorry, just one second. My 10-kilo cat was just thumping on the door. I'm sorry. Um, 
Start again. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you definitely, as a running back, need to do those pre-snap reads. You need to be familiar with your quarterback in how they like to read as well. It's just that same page kind of stuff as well. But um, with uh, run pass option, it cannot, and, and just knowing if they're going to pull and pass or do any of that sort of stuff, it allows you to um, be just that bit prepared to maybe go ahead and go look for work on the block. Um, or do those sorts of things as well. But um, what I find as a running back, the benefit of the RPO is that it keeps the defence honest. Um, so uh, it gives, you know, if, if a defence doesn't know which, which is going to be a run or a pass play, um, then they have to make those reach, which takes that millisecond um, that can give me as a running back just a little bit of time to get through um, the gap and things like that. But um I think uh, where it really comes into play is when you can, um, when you're a bit advanced in your um, RPOs and that you're using, you know, play side, backside, um, different plays so that you actually have three or four options out of a single call. Um, because I think defences, um, particularly in Australia, are getting better at, at you know, um, knowing, being able to defend either the run play or the zone run or the bubble or, you know. So, um, yeah, I think uh, when teams start to really get advanced and um, changing up that backside or play side um, calls on either side, there's so many options. And, um, and the hard part for a QB is making the decision, really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and I was I think, just going to say on that. Yeah, go, Danny. Sorry, I was going to say, I think we have the same that. thing. Yeah, I'm saying you have a really good point about um, kind of knowing your quarterback too, because I think it's actually really key that running backs kind of have a bit of an understanding of obviously where the read, who the read key is and where it is. Because if I'm, let's say, um, throwing, looking at throwing a, a, fade, a fade, right, as a RPO route and the corner is just like the outside corner is just pressed hard that number one's pressed hard I'm going to throw that I'm going to throw that fade pretty much straight away if that safety's like you know a bit more over on the other side of the field depending where they're lined up and I feel like running backs needed to kind of recognize that too so when they're coming through that mesh point they're getting out of that mesh point as kind of as quick as they can because we want to deliver that ball quite quickly so I think you really make a really good point with that, that running backs also kind of need to be a bit more switched on. So I really like that you made that point. Um, so thank you. Yeah, I think I agree with that, Danny. And I and I it's purely from the Lions perspective as well. I think that um, you get kind of when you train with the QB um, on the line as well, you get used to knowing their reads as well. So I know that you know for a, a quarterback that's quite experienced and they know what the, you know the reads they're trying to make. Um, two, three seconds will pass and I know whether or not we're going and we're going next level, we're getting out of that run block or whether or not we need to actually stop because otherwise if we, you know, so that we don't get a penalty on the offense, right, because that's probably the biggest downside, you know, for the offensive line on this, on an RPO play. So, um, yeah, I, th I think incredibly important that everyone's on the same page and that timing piece is so important, you know, as equally as important for the line as well. Now I'm gonna. I actually had a question about uh, the blocking situation for the O line later on, but I'll just segue to it now because it's the perfect segue. Um, talk to us about the blocking rules for a pass and how that changes when there's a potential for a run coming from the backfield. Like obviously the offensive line have a fundamental rule that they need to abide by in order to make this whole concept work. 
Yeah, so obviously on the offensive line, very restricted for how far downfield we can be when the quarterback makes that pass. Um, three yards is all we've got to play, and three yards, depending on who's uh, who's reffing, is very. Uh, it's subjective. To... It's totally subjective. It's subjective. Thank it's you, Stacey. Lines on the field. <laughs> um, you know, I've been in, in one that was actually I was thinking about this before we jumped on, and you know, a play that sticks in my mind is um, we were running an RPO at nationals actually over in Perth. And, um, you know, SPC was going to make that, make, going to make a pass and the line kept getting called being down, downfield. I'm like, sir, we are like less than three, <laughs> like, you know, like, and I, I can specifically remember that. So yeah, it, it can be very frustrating for the line, you know, because we want to come out aggressively because we're run blocking, you know, that that's what we're doing on, on an RPA play, but we need to be very mindful that if the read is, if the read is not good. We're throwing <laughs> like, you know, we need to, we need to stay put. So we almost need to like cool our jets a bit as well. So it's a very, very, um, I think, and I think the more, it just comes more with experience as well. You need to know when to pull up, but also not, not, not fake. It's not the right word, but you almost need to, you need to sell it <laughs> is probably the right, the right way to explain it. Yeah. So I also think on that Nat, that, you know, it's, it's heavily up to the quarterback to be able to deliver that ball really quickly. Like you need to make that read so quick that you're making sure that your line aren't going, you know, up that three, past that three yards. So um, while I think it's very, it's very nice that the line have that in the back of their mind, it's definitely our job as quarterbacks to make sure that we make that read where if we've made that read and we're throwing the ball, we're hundred percent committing to it. And you throw that ball. If you're not giving the ball, so if you're not throwing the ball, you're giving the run, give the run you need to make that split second decision whether it's full pre-snap read and throwing the ball pre-snap read or what post-snap you make that decision really really quickly because you really don't want your lineman having to travel all obviously all the way up the, the field and getting called so I don't think um, I've ever heard a quarterback go guys that's don't don't think about it too much. Like I've never heard a quarterback go. Just it's okay. That's this is all on me. Love it, Danny. This this is why you're so, the Australian quarterback. Oh, I'm just so well, that you. If I'm slowing my read, it's um, we're going to get called called for being upfield, aren't we? So if I'm sitting in the sitting back, you know, and I'm getting extra deep in the mesh point, so in the quarterback quarterback running back exchange, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, has that has that outside linebacker? where is he going? And I'm sitting here reading. And then I decide to throw the ball, you know, three seconds late, my linemen are already down five yards downfield. So, you know, it's very much also on the, the quarterback to make sure they're really making that, that read very quick. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just glad somebody else heard a quarterback taking responsibility for the line there. So that's awesome, Danny. And it sounds like that. Um, outback O lines in good hands, <laughs> which is awesome. But something um, that popped to, to my mind, Kay, was that um, you said, you know, this is this is good for advanced, you know, offense as well. I, I'm with you on that. Like, I think RPO is definitely when you've got experienced quarterbacks and running backs, because you know, and receivers, right? Because you need to be able to execute. Because I think that when you start to run the RPO, you you essentially 50 you, you lose your running back because they are absolutely faking that handoff as well so um yeah it, it's probably something that I would only give to more experienced offense yeah uh, 100% Nat um and just for the record I would look after the O-line and say to my quarterback uh you don't have that much time can you please make your read that's fine <laughs> 
Um, we're not usually uh, plays so quick. We don't usually have those privileges. But um, yeah, with the with the run, obviously um, you can. I've talked about before. You got to really sell that run and run it like you have it anyway. Um, and uh, it's definitely um, something that I think that all teams should be looking to employ in their team because um, the the running back can um, can do obviously do multiple roles they can you know leak out to to um, to, to take a pass as well so um, there there's so many creativities you things you can do with it even with nine aside I mean we've talked about the creativity at 11 aside but with this sort of stuff you can really start to use that creativity and that makes it more exciting for the defense players as well so yeah, definitely. Guys, we could we could break this down even further here and look at like outside zone versus inside zone RPOs, even splitting the field, having like an inside zone or a dive type play and a passing option like a stick or a dig on the outsides. And we could talk about this for hours. But my point here is this concept requires a lot of confidence in your quarterback, not only just to be able to make that split second read, but also to make that throw on time exactly like what Danny said. My question for all of you here is, as a country, why do we have so many issues with quarterback progression and retention? Like, I mean, we've had the stalwarts around the country for the last couple of years, like your Casey Cubises, your Dannys, your Lauren Evans, all that kind of stuff. But it takes such a long time to build these quarterbacks up to a point where they can uh, run confidently these RPOs. Like, but then we lose them. Like, I, I, I don't know whether it's a lack of coaching or, or what, what's your guys' opinions on this? I think personally that it's it's because it's hard. Like it's not an easy position. Like we're used to playing sports like rugby, like basketball, like soccer, where, you know, the playbooks are, are pretty simple. Like they're not difficult playbooks to grasp concepts. And as a quarterback, you have so much responsibility on that field. Like we're talking about making reads pre-snap, like we're reading the safeties, we're reading the corners, we're reading how many players are in the box, we're reading where they're lined up before the play has even started. And then it's knowing once the play does start where those defensive players are going and then where your offensive players are going to be for you to be able to get the play off. Like I think you have to be a really committed player and just kind of like as a quarterback, you have to have just and naturally gifted talent to understand and grasp these concepts because they are not easy concepts to get. And when it's hard, people give up. Absolutely agree. And I think what you're talking about there, Beck, is cognitive load for the QB. And I think that is heightened when you, um, whether you have a couple of rookies or a number of rookies on the field. Uh, so a lot of the time it's it's looking to the quarterback um, to explain, you know, to, to make sure that they're there. But um, it's, it's, I, offense, I love offense as much as I talk about, I want to be on defense. The, the thing is offense is choreography. You have to time it. You have to be in the right spot. You know, you have to um, run your stem and, you know, at the right time turn for the QB, the line has to hold it. The QB's dropping all of that sort of stuff. A lot of things, timing comes into it um, along with a QB and trust. having to read. And trust, yeah, and trust. Right? And you can't have that in um, in in necess- um, it, that takes time to build, um, and I think that's where I've tried to add value as a, a, a long term. <laughs> 
backfield player is I try to take some of that cognitive load for my QBs. I talk to my QBs a lot. Like I'll tell them you've got time. Um, I talk to them beforehand, ask Chrissy Torres, she'll call a play. I'm like, oh, one of us is going to die. You sure about that one? <laughs> but, um, you know, so I think um, the other thing too, and this is, this is for all people who have been playing forever or are new, how you learn a playbook. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. I can't, I can't stress this enough, Christy. Yes. Because we can't be relying on the quarterback. They've got so much to do out there and they've got to execute. They've got to throw, they've got to thread that ball. Right. So um, it's the responsibility of the players to not just learn your little role on a static piece of paper with a particular defense that's going to run in this angle and come at you. That's not what happens. The whole point of defense is to make you think they're doing something and do something else. So you need to be able to adapt. So you don't learn a playbook by learning your role. You learn the concept of why you're doing, what your role is in the concept so that when that shifts, which it ultimately will in a game and it's not nearly as clean, you know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And that's what I teach. I go through with my rookies a, a, a 101, um, Gridiron 101, and that's one of the things I tell Like, yes, know your role. Let's but know your why. It's yeah, know, know your why. why. Know the concept of, of the play and what you need to do, what you're trying to achieve in that role. And when you've done that, what else you can do? The go look for work option as well. So, yeah, I think that takes some cognitive load off the QB. Yeah, look, I definitely think that we lose a lot of QBs because of how hard it actually ends up being come their, you know, second, third season. Um, you know, you get you get quarterbacks running quite basic playbooks um, at, the, at the beginning and then when you ask for them to do more, they kind of don't realise that, you know, being a quarterback is much more than just handing a ball off and throwing a ball. There's so much to it. Your brain is in overload the whole time. But also too, Danny, like you would, you would have had the exact same experience where you are at the point where you're ready to progress in your learning. So you're ready to make these reads. You're ready to go to that advanced level. And then all of a sudden you get a rookie running back or you get a rookie O-line or you get a rookie receiver. And then all of a sudden that puts your playback playbook back so far because you're playing catch up again, you know, and it's exactly what Chris said. Or a defense that just does cover one. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's totally, totally true. And I remember when, you know, when I went over to America, it was a completely different world because where, you know, where I came from, I was a, you know, a, what is, what's the term? A big fish in a small pond. Is that the right term? Yep. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I felt like that because everyone was leaning on me for things and I was, you know, developed to a certain Whack to a certain standard, and then all of a sudden, new new plays would come in under, underneath me, and then I'd have to you'd have to um, bring back the playbook a little bit, tone it tone it down to for them to learn and to understand. And then when I went over to America, it was amazing because everyone knew so much more about football, and I was then chasing everyone everyone else more and trying to learn more. And these these other quarterbacks that you know knew so much more than me and were already developed and stuff. So I think you know. It's very hard for quarterbacks here to um, progress over that kind, over that hill, I guess. So we get to a certain point and we just kind of, they just kind of can't take those extra steps, whether it be, might be too hard for them and they just, it's too overwhelming or they don't have the actual right coaching to where coaches actually can help them and can progress them where where they need to be progressed. 
yeah definitely a big, big issue definitely and you know this concept gives defensive coordinators headaches i mean since we are selling the run a hundred percent of the time it can be quite hard to stop like the rpo concept um on it can be hard to stop on game day but then also hard to prepare for in training since you never quite know what you're going to get and beck i guess i have a, just a question for you is uh you know this concept is one of the best for beating like a zone defense since we're trying to take advantage of those defensive players who have a gap and a zone to defend against those poor poor linebackers that said we don't often see a lot of zone coverage in our leagues is that just like we're we're saying with the offense we have to pare back our playbook and make it as simple as possible and just run man to man or do we just not have the talent to be able to uh, create a bit more of a, um, a free-flowing defense that combines a lot of that zone coverage? I think it's a bit of both, like same as offensive type things when you have a bunch of rookies coming in who aren't really understanding the game, um, still learning how to tackle some of them. So, you know, man-to-man is the easiest concept to grasp on a defensive side of the ball, which speaking of a run-pass option, a man kind of defense is the best that you can play against a run-pass option because it is the type of style of play that is, you know, it's going to draw players in. It wants misdirection. It wants confusion. So playing man-to-man against a run-pass option where a player has one responsibility to cover one player no matter where they go or what's happening, it makes it um, a lot easier to make sure that every player is covered, whether it is a run or a pass, where in a zone, um, you know, play, pass plays especially, not all receivers are necessarily covered. And, you know, your linebackers are playing quite uptight to defend that run rather than dropping back into that zone. So it allows for that pass and that deep ball to come off a little bit easier. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. I mean, obviously playing man-to-man is an RPO beater until you get to that advanced level. But again, like playing man-to-man every single down is so tough and not all teams have the athletes to be able to do so. Um, You know, so I think that that plays a a part in it as well. We'll always hopefully change up their plays and not do the same thing every single play, regardless of what the offense is doing, even though you, the defense is to counteract the offense showing the same things. Like, you know, you need to change up your positioning on the field, change up where your lineup, change up your blitzes, you know, so you could play man to man, but still make it look different as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Completely. Completely. Danny, what's your go-to RPO? What's your favorite run pass combo? Um, I like a slant bubble because it's a very um, distinct kind of, read so you you very much know whether you'll be throwing that bubble or whether you'll be hitting the slant kind of in the second window um but I do also quite like um hitting the fade and reading the um outside defender so the number one if they're quite um pressed up and playing man and if that safety is kind of they've got that one high safety um just kind of quickly dish it straight over the top but I definitely say just that slant bubble it's one of the easiest ones to do and we, we do it for the for the men's too and that's what we're kind of running also at some state um at the moment we're implementing that so yeah it's just an it's an easy one for the receivers to run and a very easy one um pre-snap read and post post-snap read really for quarterbacks to um figure out what they what they need to do where their read is and what they're doing yeah, I, I like the slam bubble because I think it's the most effective route 
for a quarterback to be able to read and pass too quickly. Like you said, you want to get the playoff quick. You want to make the read quick. And looking at that slant, you know, you can get that off in a second or two. So your O-line isn't, you know, pulling up penalties for being too far down the field. Nat, I'm not going to ask you your favourite uh, route combination here, given, I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i assuming you want to get out there and catch a ball from a tight end position at some point or another, or? Mate, I've caught, a, I've caught one ball at tight end, so my days, you know, could just be beginning at tight end. Um, no, but I was going to say my favourite RPO is when my quarterback doesn't get sacked and um, gets the ball off. Is that a good answer for the QBs on screen or what? That's, that's, a, that's a great answer. Everyone loves that. Loves that. Yeah, very much so. What do you got? Well, uh, naturally, I'm going to say the QB really sells that pass but gives it to the running back to run. (laughs) And the O-line opens up the seas and I just run through untouched, leave me alone. Um, But I I like the um, play side, backside rules where you have three or four options, you know, whether it's a a, um, bubble right and a run left QB keep screen right pass concept left or something like that I just love those um those really different options um because the moment that that all of that out there becomes a threat gives me room yeah definitely definitely personally I love a good smash concept with a hitch in a corner um from twins obviously from a seven aside perspective but same concept works in 11 or nine aside using a three by one troops and a single receiver um as an option but I also also like you know, a good uh, speed option with like a fade, you know, from an outside receiver as well um, as a bit of, you know, that's gotten me as a DB a couple of times. I'm like, ooh, and I always get these plays and I go, you know what, I'm going to put that, I'm going to put that in my pocket and run that at some point when I'm an offensive coordinator. So that, that's what I kind of like. It's it's the good stuff. Um, but also too, like combining those sorts of things with like a, a great B-gap run with a pulling guard. I mean, come on, that's the good stuff. All right, guys, this has been fascinating. Um this this topic we spoke more than i thought we were going to so this is excellent but let's move into our final segment for the night with rapid fire and we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things what you need to know tonight your apologies to matt damon we ran out of time for him tonight we'll get him on the air again soon oh my boss is singing closing time maybe that's what you're doing all right guys Rapid fire tonight. We are still talking NFL offense. We are talking offenses, but specifically we're talking NFL offenses. And guys, the question is tonight, what is your favorite NFL offense? Uh, Beck, I'm going to kick this one off with you. You know what? I would love to be able to say my team, the Seattle Seahawks, but I feel like our offense is going to be a little bit disappointing this year because we don't have a starting cube. Well, we don't even know if it's Drew Locke. Like we don't know. Um, So... I'm going to go with um, the Buffalo Bills. I think the way they finished their season last year, really strong. They were one of the top offenses last year. Um, They haven't had a lot of changes. They haven't lost a lot of players. Um, They may have even picked up, I think they picked up um, JD McKissick, a running back. But, you know, Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, Stefan Diggs, Dawson Knox, all of those weapons on offense are just going to, build together um, and have a great season this year, as well as, you know, having a great offense is on the back end of having a great defense. And I think they have a pretty sick defense over a Buffalo too. Oh, do I feel a bit of a, uh, a bit of a movement in by ways of who we're supporting now? I mean, Drew Locke can't, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. So I don't know how Seattle's going to go with that one. Danny, no, what do you got? A loyal supporter. I will always support the Seahawks regardless of how their season is going, but I, I can admit defeat when defeat is happening. 
Denny must feel exactly the same way as me, <laughs> I hope. Yes. Yeah, I've still got no clue what Seattle's going to do. And it's a little bit nerve wracking, a little bit nerve wracking. Yeah, so mine isn't quite an offense. I'm just going with who I actually really enjoy to watch as a whole. And it's because of this one man, and that's Mr. Aaron Rodgers. I just love watching him in the pocket, running out of the pocket, escaping, evading, and just making shit happen. Like, I could just watch that offense all day, I think, because he just makes it so exciting. And whatever they do, it's just, I just love it. So I'm, I'm just going on an offensive base of just because I love watching it because he's just, he just makes miracles happen realistically. Yeah, I think he's going to need miracles to happen this year because his offense is going to be completely different to what it was last year. So it's completely Aaron I mean, when, when you re-sign and your main receiver goes, sorry, out of here. I mean, that that's that's not a good thing for Aaron Rodgers. Um, Moran, what do you got? Uh, so I really hope that Drew Locke uh, listens to this podcast, Stacey. Um, that would be interesting. Um, but I'm going to say, I, I mean, I don't, I'm one of those. I don't follow a team. I follow players. Um, so this changes every few years. But the last few years, I'm going to say um, the Chiefs, just the way they've introduced those different forms of motions and tempos and the personnel they have has really allowed them that new era of football which is very if anybody watches high school college football it's a a very they're the I you know anybody watches college football you know the stuff that they're doing there you'll eventually see in in three to five years in NFL so I think they're the first ones to really start um doing that new era of football so I find that real I I love that new stuff um I think that they're doing really well but to Danny's point um I I know we're talking about team offenses but you're right um we've got those offense masterminds that you just can't go past um and the work that Brady and Manning do with their audibles um and the same look with the different concepts is ridiculous they can run the same formation three or four times in a row and seemingly have completely um, the same concept and design play design but completely different plays so um I I think that what they're doing there as as QBs is pretty impressive as well so Nat yes what what do you got here I love it. Yeah. So for me, um, yeah, I don't really have too much time to watch a hell of a lot of football as much as I would love to. But look, if I'm going to watch a game, I love watching the Cowboys play, Dallas Cowboys play. Um, I really love watching Ezekiel Elliott run the ball. I think he runs it really, really hard and I love it. And I love the way the offensive line is. It actually feels really seamless just watching them. I love watching them move as a unit and um, yeah, so I don't even care what the score is when I watch them play. I just love I love watching their offense run. So for me, yeah, it's not necessarily the type of football necessarily. I just yeah, I love watching them work as a unit. Well, I'm 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 glad that you don't pay attention to the score when you're watching the Cowboys because sometimes they're not great. I mean, for a long time they were not great. But yes, I see where you're coming from with that one. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott when he's on fire back in his heyday was was great. And yes, O line. Definitely, definitely, definitely great thing to watch. Um, for me, I'm going to go back old school because I love all the nerdy, nerdy football type things. Um, and I'm going to say that, uh, you know, Bill Walsh's West Coast offense um, by the old school 1980s like, 49ers. Now, this is a <clears throat> pays homage back to 
my favorite coach coach wolf um he taught us uh all about bill walsh and and his coaching tree he's uh so kyle shanahan actually came down from him as well so you actually see a lot of that west coast style offense in the 49ers um but you know that offense is characterized by having like these short horizontal passing routes uh as a replacement for running plays to stretch out the defenses horizontally rather than vertically. Um, and it's all about finding finding that uh, threading of the needle uh, in those tightest of spaces, but going uh, horizontally across the field. And it's just fascinating, putting a lot of window dressing on things, um, making things seem a little bit more complicated than they actually are, adding motions, all that kind of stuff. Um, if you want to Google it, feel free. But tonight, that's all we have time for. Um, this was a great episode, everybody. Um, I'm really glad that we get to do these. If you like what you heard tonight, guys, follow us on the socials. We are on all platforms. And give us a comment if you are liking uh, any of the playbook that we're talking about tonight or if you've got uh, something that you want us to talk about. Um, we will explore everything. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, and everyone's been so supportive of all of our episodes and shows so far. If you really, really like us, give us a five on the Spotify reviews. And until next week, we will see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.